Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Fallon. Thanks for listening. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for logo designer Paddy McGrath. It's a lot to invest in knowledge, basically. I think some people don't see the value of that, but the more I spend on knowledge, the more I want to spend on it. It's an addiction, really. To blog every day just to build up some momentum, basically. I was only supposed to do 30 days, but it ended up being over 200. Blogging has absolutely transformed the way I did business. Hey, how you doing? You all right? Hope you're well. We've got super logo boy Paddy McGrath. He's uh, a branding designer and well-branded himself as Super Logo Boy. It sticks in my head. I have to keep telling myself that his name's Paddy. So that coming up in a moment. By the way, last week's episode, Amy Schmidtauer, I have since got her book because, of course, it was only launched this week and um, I'm only a couple of chapters in, but I recommend it if you're uh, interested in vlogging. Uh, the introduction was possibly, and I'm not just blowing smoke, by the way, the introduction was one of the most page-turning introductions I have ever read. The story being told in the introduction was just brilliant. Well, congratulations to her anyway, because it's a, a cracking start to a book. That's last week's episode. You can find that and over 80 more at beingfreelance.com or iTunes or wherever else you might get your podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe. Also, at beingfreelance.com, you can hit subscribe on the newsletter and check out the Being Freelance vlog, which I am now on to by the time you hear this, probably episode seven. Check it out online via beingfreelance.com or youtube.com slash Steve Folland. Like Holland, but with an F. Now, though, uh, let's go and say hello to this week's guest. And that is logo designer Paddy McGraw. Hey, Paddy. Hey, Steve. How's it going? I'm very well. Whereabouts are you based? I'm up in Bolton near Manchester. So, um, yeah, if my accent is a bit undecipherable, tell me and I'll repeat myself. Don't worry. It's a beautiful thing. Um, <laughs> so freelance logo designer, super logo boy, as um, as I've come to know you from following your uh, daily blog last year i know we'll talk about that later on i'm sure cool um but yeah but that's how i discovered you and i'm really looking forward to find out how you got into being freelance so why don't we start right there well yeah um i've, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts i've listened to quite a few actually and the people's stories were all very much like i've been doing freelance while i was at university or even before then or maybe they, they didn't even take the university path but i never did that i kind of graduated went straight into employment through a recommendation from one of my tutors so i didn't even have to apply for a job i just got put forward for one and then i stayed there for 10 years and Freelance work was never something that kind of interested me. I got, got offered it from time to time, but I kind of turned it down because I thought that my path in the agency would be to show loyalty and work up to creative director level, which is kind of where I ended up. But then the reason I went freelance is that that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I found myself like managing teams or managing a team and the amount of creative input I had meant that I knew that that job wasn't going to be what I wanted to do long term. So... I did speak to the owners of the company and expressed my concerns, basically. And there was no way my role could change because I was so, I don't know, wound into the fabric of how the company work. And yeah, I knew that my only option was to ever put up or shut up. So I kind of, yeah, I started building freelance up on the side. But it, it was difficult, really, because at that time I was a director of the company. So I had kind of like non-compete clauses in my contract. I couldn't show any work that I'd done previously in 10 years at the agency. So I had to start from scratch. So there was a, a six-month process where I was basically targeting anyone online who I could try and blag to let me do a logo for them in exchange for some exposure. 
I would contact friends and family and redo little family business logos and things just to build up something so I could show what I could do, basically. And within six months, I'd got to my goal of having three months bill payments in the bank. And yeah, that kind of, that meant that I could take the leap. But there was also some other kind of factors that made me um, decide to take the plunge as well. I'd been on a couple of kind of personal and spiritual journeys, so to speak. Um, I don't know if you've heard of a psychedelic medicine called ayahuasca. Well, hang, weirdly, I think I might have edited a podcast about it once. Is that right, like, okay. is it like a, a thing that uh, natives like in the Amazonian forest or something like that? Exactly. Do? Yeah. It, wow. What are the chances? Wow. <laughs> so, so were you actually in the Amazonian, or was this in Bolton? Um, in the interest of legality, uh, I should probably say I wasn't in this country, but let's just say, well, I was, I was in this country, but the shaman what, who, who conducts the ceremony, uh, was trained in the Amazon. He was a British bloke, is a British bloke. Wow. And so he trained under these shaman for years. So it was as close as I could find an exp- as a authentic experience anyway, without actually going to Peru, which would be quite a trek really. <laughs> So yeah, it was a three-day retreat basically and it really did change my life because I'd always been fascinated by psychedelics and especially with their relationship to artists and creative people. Um, I think it was Bill Hicks who said that if you've got problems with psychedelics, then throw away all your Hendrix records, throw away all your Beatles records, throw away all the great films that you love because great art is created very often under the influence or has been influenced by this way of seeing so as a creative person, I was always, I always knew it was something I would try. Um, so yeah, I did. And for me, it was kind of, it was a, an eye-opening experience. It opened my mind to different ways of seeing time and the universe and things that you can't even put into words. But I'd say the number one thing it did for me was remove my fear because I think I'd wanted to do this for a few years maybe. And I'd just been static and I was, I got comfortable on a very good salary. It was, it was safe. Like everyone does before you kind of take the plunge, you you kind of know you're going to have to maybe take a few steps back before you can go forwards. And this basically removed my fear. And the weekend after, I was already kind of making notes and planning. And that started like a 12-month process for me to to get out on my own, basically. Flipping heck. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the first time that's come up uh, in uh, in all of these episodes. Man, so... What are we talking about, like time-wise? Obviously, you were working for the agency for 10 years. Yeah. How long ago are we talking about that you you started to move to leave? Well, I started in April 2015 to actually put things into place, and I'd left on the 1st of December 2015. So it's just over a year that I've been freelance now. So as as far as other guests on your show have con- concerned, they've been doing this for a number of years. And for me, I feel very kind of... I feel very blessed that you've kind of asked me to be on the show because I kind of feel like, oh, I'm still literally finding my feet and paving my own way. I'm nowhere near as established as some people. But then again, I've learned a lot and I've paid for mentors and things. So maybe I've accelerated progress a little bit, but I still very much feel like I'm finding my feet. And I think from speaking to other freelancers, it's kind of no one ever feels like they've got there, do they? People say, I want to get my work-life balance sorted. On the outside, it may appear that we have, but I don't know if you ever actually feel that. Yeah, I was going to say, and, and and the fact is, is that you know you had ten years of of working in that business, mm. and presumably that gave you a lot of knowledge that you've pulled into being a freelancer. 
Totally, but it was also a step away because I was I graduated in two thousand and five, so obviously there was a digital side to marketing. But the agency I joined was very much print led and advertising. So for ten years, I was doing more advertising campaigns for like high end health and fitness brands, trying to promote spas and and that kind of thing. Really, amongst other kind of industries too. But I'd say primarily it was health and fitness. Um, and the problem I had really was the fact that I was account managing two or three big accounts for about six or seven years. So it was the repetition of working with the same client over and over again that, that really started to wear me down. Uh, and that's one of the key things that I had in mind when I shaped my business now because I don't work with clients long term. I work from project to project. I kind of I start with a logo. Very often we'll kind of extend it into a, a full brand audit and I'll produce brand guidelines and assets and things that can be used moving forwards. But then I don't become the designer who works on this forever. I've got people who I share these contacts with. So I kind of take in the work, do the branding, and I outsource to other designers, and I just pass the contact, contact on. Um, and then that way, I kind of feel that the benefits of freelancing are amplified if you've got this sharing mentality, and that's what I try to do. I try and share as many of my clients with the close contacts I have, and then that seems to be reciprocated. I think that's, that's kind of very much my strategy with social media, so I kind of apply that to other areas of my business too. Um, and I think the thing that Agency Life taught me was that it's very closed and people are kind of very, do you know when you're at school and you don't want someone to copy you, so put your arm over your work to try and stop <laughs> eyes getting on it. I think design agencies tend to be like that. But what's refreshing about the freelance scene for me is that any knowledge that people get, you want to share it with other people to help them too. We all want to rise together. So I think that agencies are knocking each other down and freelancers can be building each other up. And that kind of excites me really. Yeah, that's really nice. When you went freelance, I mean, you, you mentioned how like you got your first clients to rebuild a portfolio, but mm. how have you gone on since then over the past year or so getting work? Well, um, it's my business was built on Twitter. Um, I kind of made contacts through joining conversations on hashtags. So I was talking to people who were talking about personal branding because I knew that these were the kind of people who saw the same vision I had. So people on a journey to actually brand themselves up and then that person could become a champion for me. That was the my main strategy really. But one of the things that I did, which I kind of, I tell I think I've spoken about it on my blog too. I very much target influencers. So I look at people who inspire me like thought leaders. And then I join conversations with people who are talking about them. Do you know like you can do on Instagram, if you go to the comments of someone like Gary Vaynerchuk and there's hundreds of people talking, these are the kind of people who I need to speak to really because they're looking up to the people who I look up to. So if I can join those conversations and then be patient and think, I might just be the logo designer they think of if I help them on their journeys. And that's oh, really what I've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you said Twitter, Instagram as well, YouTube or? Instagram recently. Um, I used to, since Instagram have brought in the story function, uh, which they stole from Snapchat, because I was very big on Snapchat only for the last six months or so. And I win quite a lot of work from that just because... I kind of really obsess over taking an interest in other people's stories. Mine is really mundane. I might show a video of me running a bath. I might show <laughs> me feeding my cats. I might show a few screenshots of my work here and there, but it's just a little bit of behind the scenes of the life, really, because I want to show the real human. I'd say Instagram is curated and polished. Snapchat is just me sometimes mucking around, but it's for me to actually engage with other people. I think it's more of a, a listening platform than a speaking platform, and I think that's where a lot of people on social media 
you don't get it. I think they say, I've posted 10 tweets today and I've not had any work yet, but well, I've spent, I've sent a hundred direct messages to people who I'm trying to build relationships with. And I think that's kind of the secret for me. Mm. So have you, are you switching over from Snapchat to Instagram stories? No, I'm using both. I'm going to use Snapchat still, probably move it towards more personal stuff. So it's kind of more for friends, family, and kind of close clients and contacts. Instagram, I'm going to be doing more things where I want to share my ideas. So if I've written a blog post in the day, I might talk briefly about the idea and then say, here's a link, click on it if you're interested. I'll say the link's in the bio because I don't think you can share links yet on Instagram, but that kind of thing. So I'm going to be more professional on Instagram. Snapchat's more fun, but with an element of work. Um, Twitter for me now is a, a listening platform totally. I do silly tweets here and there with lyrics I'm thinking of, but it's mostly about keeping my eye on what my clients are doing, seeing if I can help them in any way, share their content and just champion them. So for me, I don't promote on there because the amount of clicks I get when I post blog content on there, it's, it's really not worth the hassle. So I don't want to dirty my channel up by being it a bit looking spammy i'd rather it just be there as a human contact channel if you get what i mean mm. it's, so you mentioned your blog there and like i said that's how i found you i've no mm. idea how now but anyway i was really intrigued by the fact that it was a daily journal i think that's what you called it over time so it was, it was a, but you, i have changed that though recently i know mm. so, so i'm intrigued so what, what's your experience been anyway of blogging Blogging has absolutely transformed the way I did business. I think when I started in December, the idea was to do simply a blog post a week. I thought that was achievable. And by January the 1st, I'd not written any. Um, and in January, I, I wrote one blog post and then that was it. And then I didn't ever follow it back up. So I'd been reading some books and following some mentors. And there's a guy I really look up to called Chris Brogan. Um, he's like a he's a New York Times bestselling author. He's a very kind of expert in social media and digital marketing. So I actually invested in having him as a mentor through an insider group that he has. And I took advantage of an idea that he had was to blog every day just to build up um, some momentum, basically. I was only supposed to do 30 days, but it ended up being over 200. But that won me opportunities to go and speak in London, talk on personal branding. Um, I did a couple of those and I won international clients because of that just because there were interesting people in the room who, who heard me speak which was awesome but then I began to think that maybe I was devaluing my content by doing too much of it so I've decided to rein it back in recently so my new structure is to blog on my own website on a Monday and a Friday Wednesday I'm experimenting with LinkedIn as a way to drive people to my newsletter and then on Sunday I'm still blogging but that is going to be my newsletter which is in theory, the best content of my week. So I want to try and get people onto my newsletter. So basically, whether they read the email or not, my name and my email turns up in their inbox every week. So they just see Super Logo Boy every week. Whether they read it or not, I'm in their consciousness. So until they unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> How did you go about getting discovered in that respect? Did you leave it to chance of people clicking through from you know all the conversations you were having on social media or...? The one, the opportunity to speak in London was because I used some hashtagging around personal branding and personal brands. And there was a girl literally organizing a conference at the time, probably searching the hashtag and by sheer fluke found my post. And she liked the video I had on the homepage. And she just said, if you can get to London, it's an unpaid gig, but it's going to cost you like a train ticket return, which is only about 60 quid if you book in advance. And the opportunity to speak in front of 50 people who are 
literally my ideal customers it was too good to turn down so i did it once and got about four or five leads two turned into paid work and she asked me to do it again and i was like of course so yeah it was that i think that's one of the things you realize as a freelancer you're going to do quite a lot of skill swapping uh sometimes things exchange other than money like don't they i'm obviously i'm talking um legal things here but <laughs> <laughs> But I mean skill swap. So I've done work for branding for a videographer who was who who's going to give me a video in return and things like that. Um, I think it's good to kind of to have those kind of relationships. And I think that's one of the things that the freelancing really taught me that you have to sometimes invest in yourself. You really do in your own knowledge, but you have to sometimes chance it and gamble and think this could be an opportunity in agency life. I was literally chained to a desk, so I couldn't have made that decision. I had hours to, to log every day, people to manage. I couldn't go taking gambles like that. And they really do pay off sometimes. So that's what I love, really. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned there with your, with your daily blog, did having to do it daily, like if you hadn't have done it daily, it sounds like maybe you wouldn't have done it at all. Like, did that improve your writing or your, your thoughts? Or I think it did both. I think it certainly improved my writing because really that wasn't a strong point when I started. And I've I do feel I've improved over time. I'm not to the standard where I would like to be, but it's a constant path of improvement. But it definitely helped with idea generation and the way I even write sales copy now because I actually think of writing my blog now more from the audience's point of view. I think the temptation when you um, first start out writing is to write what you think and write for yourself. But when you do it every day and you can notice what people are paying attention to, you, you soon realize that the ones where you're serving the audience get far more engagement and far more traction. Um, but it's interesting now that I'm not writing every day, but I think maybe the initial groundwork has served me well enough that I've got the momentum to get the work now. So I can I did that when I needed more business. I thought writing, putting good content out there will attract the kind of clients that I want. And each blog post is an attention asset. It's something that's like evergreen. It's going to be there on Google for as long as the internet's around, hopefully. And if if people can then randomly find me through these topics, then then great. So I think I just needed some uh, to front load the content in the first year. And now I can go at a more relaxed pace, I think. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. And you mentioned your video on your homepage, which the girl organising the conference had seen. Have you have you had that kind? Of, you know, that sort of positive experience from putting video on your site. People do mention the video, and the one that I had done professionally earlier in the year, I've taken off because I didn't have a beard at that time, and <laughs> and and I wasn't happy with the scripting of that one, so I wanted to change it. So the one I've got currently is a bit silly. I recorded it on Snapchat. There's lots of little snaps and told a little story about my working day. Um, and people quite like the quirky element of it, people say. So um, I am going to do something more professional at some point. But for now, I think that serves the purpose because like my site and my ethos is about just kind of paving your own way, being a bit of a freak, bit of a renegade and trying to attract that kind of mentality. I try and see myself as I'm nowhere near as cool as a tattooist, but if you've got that kind of that kind of artist that people seek out, so I'd rather be people look at my work and come to me for my style and the way I approach the project um, rather than just stumbling across a logo designer and thinking, oh, God, this guy's okay. Mm. And what about, you mentioned the mentor. I mean, like Chris Brogan is a pretty big deal of a mentor um, yeah. to, to go for as well. So was that your first experience of it? And what was your experience of it? 
Well, it's kind of that's a recent thing that I'm working with him. I'd read a few of his books and applied his ideas, and they'd worked. Um, and I'd kind of re- reached out to him on social media, spoke to him, um, and he always on his podcast he always says email me, ask him questions. So I did. I took advantage of his offer, and I kind of asked him questions. And without even asking him this, he took an interest in my website and gave me some tips, and just said change this, change that, and you might get some results from it. And his quality of service to me meant that I bought from him so I do learn a lot from the man and a lot of the ideas I apply, I apply are things I've learned from him and no it's I think it's a hundred dollars a month to pay for his owner insider group but the the value you get for that is incredible I know it's it's a lot of money to a freelancer but I can't see myself cancelling that direct debit how does that actually work then is it like an online mastermind type like, like what's the kind of he does like he does webinars every month that are based around a theme so it could be maybe writing a book or starting a podcast or doing offline networking that kind of thing it could be a random topic every single month but he's also got courses on how to do like earn more customers how to do um there's, there's dozens of things that you can learn how to do and he charges these courses out at five hundred dollars sometimes a thousand dollars but if you pay for his insider group you just get access to all of them while you're paying so that's i thought it was worth it while i'm still learning the ropes of being a, a freelancer basically well it's definitely i mean a hundred dollars isn't that bad frankly no no not at all no i, <laughs> I think it, it sounds a lot of money because of the hundred but yes yeah. and some people don't like it's a lot to invest in knowledge basically i think some people don't see the value of that but the more i spend on knowledge the more i want to spend on it it's kind of I mean, it's an addiction really is there like a community feel to it as well totally i forgot to mention that actually one of the best parts of it is you get a, like a an insider slack group where you can all discuss the topics that are being spoken about in the courses um you can talk about challenges that you're having but you can also network with the other insiders and i think that's where the real value is um so every other insider in there is potentially a customer or someone you can help someone who might be able to refer business to you you can set up kind of deals where if someone brings you work they can make a margin on it that kind of thing and i think that kind of business aspect it changes your mind when you're a freelancer because as a creative person these weren't skills that i had i wasn't a negotiator i could go and pitch an idea to people but the business side and the numbers that's something i've really had to to kind of learn about and get used to so you mentioned money there I mean, it sounded, to be honest, from the beginning, but you sounded pretty clued up in that, you know, that whole, I'm going to have three months put to one side. Yeah, that was kind of, I think that was more the missus, to be fair. She said that <laughs> if you're going to do this, we need to have some cover on the bill payments. And basically she said, how long do you think it would take you to find a job that would cover the cover the mortgage payment basically so um i thought that within three months i could do so i just wanted to build up a bit of a buffer but i didn't want to build up a target amount of money that was going to be so far away that i would never end up doing it so it had to be something that was kind of still a little bit scary so i could actually have the, the fire in my belly to do it um so yeah that's that was the strategy but that was her advice really i probably at that stage after after taking the mind altering substances would have just thought I'm just doing it anyway. But no, you can't do that when you've got got bills to pay, can you? So how is the work-life balance panning out for you? Really good now. It's I'm kind of one of the real benefits of this, and this was one of the drivers for me, was being able to create my own day. So just be able to work when I wanted and how I wanted. And the vision at first was just to be able to be like total hippie and think, oh, I'll wake up today and see how I feel. But I've actually got stricter with myself than I was 
in a design agency just because I want to work less and live more. So I work harder when I am productive and when I'm not feeling it, when I don't want to work, I'll just not work. And it's amazing to do that. And that's what kind of baffles me a little bit about the nine to five. You've almost got to, you've got to force it sometimes. And sometimes you've got to force it quite a lot. And I never force it. That's one of the benefits of, of this life for me. I kind of, I am only working on client work when I want to work on it. And that's, to me, I think everyone wins from that. How does that actually look in practice? Like when it comes to organizing your day or your week? Um, so an actual, I'll talk you through a day if you want what I would actually do. Hmm. Um, so I would literally, I typically get up around half past six because that's when the missus gets up and I get up, feed the cats and I will do a little bit of meditation and I will have my morning coffee and get my mindset sorted, do my affirmations. And at that point I look over the plan for my day, which I had made in the evening, the night before. And I then walk to the studio, get here for about half past eight. Uh, I rent a desk in a local, um, like digital agency basically i know the guy who owns it so got a cool relationship with him and working in this studio with his team who are social media people web developers we all just help each other with our different projects and our different challenges so the morning is when i do my admin i'm warming my brain up in the morning so i'm quoting people i'm building relationships on social media and maybe sorting out amendments to fiddly jobs or exporting artwork files for people that kind of stuff and then i I have my lunch at 12 every day and after that it's four hours of creative work and that's it that's me done then so i finish around four o'clock and that's i finish for the day then and in the evenings i maybe if i've if I'm super busy, I'll do some work then and book in some Skype calls if I've got some overseas clients. But for the most part, that's the that's the day I, that's the way I like to work. But I do work six days a week. So, uh, have you ever worked from home? I did for the first two months. I worked from home, and that was hell for me. I couldn't do it. It's just too many distractions. My the way my mind works. If the cats are walking around, if I if I walk downstairs, I think oh I'll watch TV. It, it just didn't work for me. So. Um, I was speaking to my mate in a pub and he said, come and work out of my office. And I, I jumped at the opportunity. It was the best thing that happened for me. Yeah, so it sounds like a great, a great place to be. But you said like, uh, you know, like if you're not feeling it work-wise, then you just don't work. So does that mean that there might be a day where you sit down to work, it's just not happening, you think, do you know what, blow this, and, and then you just go home or go yep. up in the hills or whatever it might be? one of those two things I will go and walk in the hills or I will go home like last week there was a day at one o'clock I just went home and had a bath because I I couldn't be bothered and then I worked later in the evening when when I could be bothered so it kind of no one was benefiting from me struggling with a challenge so I think sometimes when you've got to come up with ideas and and that really is my job really I sell ideas and I try and execute them as simply as I can Um, so sometimes the thinking time is the challenge and a change of scenery a change of pace really helps and you can't do that when you've got a nine to five in a design agency. You can't just take yourself away to just lie on the floor and think, but I'm allowed to do that now. And I think everyone wins as a result of that. Mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, I said up in the hills because I, I seem to remember like your, your original video on your site had you up in the hills. No, that's the current one. Actually. Oh, is that the current the, one? Yeah. Yeah. The current one. Yeah. Ah, but that's still, I have my beard maybe is slightly um, smaller on that one too. So yeah, that needs an update as well. <laughs> Yeah, so the beard's getting longer, but the hair on top yeah. is getting shorter. Oh, it's gone. I've bit, I've got I've shaved the head and grown the beard, so I've got an upside down head now. <laughs> <laughs> Do, is that part of like? I mean, that's quite a transformation to make of yourself. 
Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting you say that because it's kind of it is on purpose, really. It is on purpose. Um, it's kind of part of the personal brand. It's I think that you need to kind of give people a reason to remember you. And I'd always fancied growing a beard, but never done it. So I, I kind of this summer I decided right, I'm just gonna, not going to shave and see how it goes. And then my friend, who's like a he's a very handsome man, basically, and he said, "Oh, you'll look really cool if you shave your head and have the beard." And I went, "Oh, go on, then I will do." But it gives people a reason to remember me. People comment on the beard. I'm, I kind of wear crystals all the time as well. And when you go to networking events, people come and ask you these things. And I think it, it, as long as you're being true to yourself and you're expressing an aspect of your personality, this life now means I don't have to walk around in a suit. I don't have to turn up and, and kind of put on a performance for people. You can be yourself and celebrate that. And you're going to turn a lot of people off. But the right people, the people who you should work with, are going to appreciate it and be drawn to you. Mm. And how about this year ahead? You've you've set yourself a goal, right? Yes. This last year, I worked like six days a week, um, seven days, quite a lot of weeks, and I didn't take a single day off, other than maybe Sunday. I took Sundays off every week, but I didn't take any holidays. So I tr- I, this year, my goal is to take November and December off, and take the wife away traveling in November, and have December maybe writing and planning the next year, but just just relaxing really I think I'd like to take some time out just to be able to let my mind rest and then come back refreshed so we'll see how that goes (laughs) I've got like a structured plan in place I've basically worked out the numbers of what I need to do on a on a weekly basis on a monthly basis and several ideas for side projects that I'm going to potentially work on to be able to facilitate this so it's not a pipe dream it's something I've I've kind of dreamt ahead to think what I want to do and then I've worked back from uh, from there to get the steps that I need to take. So I'm I'm hopeful, but not necessarily confident. <laughs> no, it sounds great. It's a, yeah, the fact that you're going to put aside enough money to cover your business while you're not there. And I guess yeah. the fact that you run on a project by project rather than like recurring work means that it's easier for you to pause your business, as it were. Exactly. That's one of the key reasons why I wanted to go on a project to project basis because I had a friend who left the design agency I worked at a couple of months before I did and his concern was that because he had ongoing client work he could never take a holiday and he wanted me to potentially help him with some work when he was away which I do of course but I said I need to kind of find a new way to solve this problem so as I wanted to just concentrate on logo design and branding I can just book in week-long projects at a time and then just choose not to book in projects for those months it's it's really simple I can just choose when to, to do the holidays and I say it's simple. I've not applied it yet. So the theory is simple. See how that goes. <laughs> uh, okay. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? Right. I'm ready for you. Let's see. <laughs> um, right. The first one I can rush and dance. <laughs> right. Are you ready for number two? Yeah. During primary school, High school and 10 years in a design agency, I didn't have a single day off sick. And the third one is on a train journey coming back from London, going back to Manchester, I sat next to Russell Brand in first class and spoke to him all the way back. Wow! You can rush and dance, you've never had a day off sick, and you sat next to Russell Brand in first class. 
To be fair, the, the no days off sick, I did have two days off sick when I worked at Burger King, but the manager was a knobhead and I didn't want to show him any loyalty because he, he cut my shifts. So had he not cut my shifts, I would have applied that too. So in the interest of like kind of full disclosure, it's not my entire career. There was two days when I worked at Burger King for eight months where I've called him sick. Uh, <laughs> okay. I reckon that's true. I reckon you've never had it. So all through school, all through 10 years of... I don't know, though. All 10 years of work? Mm. Russian... You can Russian dance. See, I want that to be true. Um, it's a wonderful... Especially now you've got the beard. Mm. Uh, Russell Brand... I didn't think of that, actually. That's a good point. I've not done it since I've had the beard. This is a game changer. <laughs> you see, the thing of you sitting next to Russell Brand in first class is that, like... Did you buy a first-class ticket? Yes. It was when I went to the uh, personal branding um, talk in London earlier this year, and it was an upgrade on the day. So it was £20 to upgrade, but you got free food and drink. Really? I've not eaten. Yeah, yeah, on the day. Sometimes they'll let you upgrade on the train. If you go down on a Saturday and come back on a Saturday night, <laughs> you can very often get an upgrade. I, ne- I do it nearly every time. Okay, now that sort of amendment makes me think that, that maybe it is true. <laughs> um, okay, I, I wish you could, but I don't think you can rush and dance. I've got you. I can. Ah! So what was the lie? It was the Russell Brand one. Oh, well, well done. You won. By the way, is there any videos of you doing Russian dancing? Is that a- There's not, but I could. I will probably, I will do one to prove it at some point. I'm not going to say when, but I will do one to prove it. Because yeah. it came about because I used to do a lot of um, boxing training and they always made you do like 500 squats. And I thought, I'm getting some quite strong leg muscles here. So I, le- I taught myself from videos on YouTube, just as a kind of something to show people when you're drunk. <laughs> You've, I mean, you've clearly said that you uh, you love to learn from mm. be it Russian dancing to um, to all of the business books and stuff that you've you've worked through and courses by the sounds yeah, of it yeah. as well. Definitely. As you're doing that, are you like making notes? As you, because sometimes I'll read a book and I've, I, you know, I think, oh, that's a good point, but I I never seem to write them down. I'm sure it all ticks in there somewhere along the line and all the cogs will join together eventually. I'm a notebook filler, basically. Um, I do, if I've got a paper book, which is very rare these days, I tend to listen to the majority of my books if I can do, um, but I'll, I'll get them on Kindle so I can't make notes there. So I tend to have little, like kind of brown, simple notebooks and I put random ideas in there, lyrics, I draw things in there. Just They're not polished sketchbooks that, that an artist would want to show. It's scribbles of just shards of ideas and I just fill them. And there might just be a page where there's 20 ideas for a blog post title and then the next page is something totally random. So I do write and I try and get as much things out of my head and manually. I believe that writing things down by hand, not typing them into your computer, literally writing them into books like you did at school but stuff that i want to learn rather than stuff i'm being told to learn so yeah i do make quite a lot of notes cool paddy if there was one thing you could tell your younger self about being freelance what would that be oh good question um i was actually talking about something last week where during careers advice at school this was never presented as an option so i think for me even being at university just say you can do it. It's, it's just, it's, op, it's an option for you and don't have the fear. It's a case of things will grow organically. Marketing is 99% just exposure anyway. It's just being there, showing up, and then the better work you do, the more you can charge for it, basically. I kind of look at it. And that will accelerate the process, but just 
don't have fear and it is an option for you because I didn't have the confidence five years ago and I don't have any regrets really it's it's the, the path that I'm on now I believe that I was meant to go through the junctions and the twists and turns that I went through but I would love to have had a bit more self-belief younger. Mm. Do you think though that you would be it's all hypothetical but like different had you never had done the agency thing? It did teach me a lot because more than the workings of the agency itself, the people I was working with, the, the clients, I was dealing with like quite very talented marketeers, really. And I learned a lot from them. So that the, the ways I look at the way I look at advertising, the way I look at messaging and brand storytelling, I don't know if I would have got those skills had I not worked there. So no regrets whatsoever. It's just a case of um, it wasn't for me anymore. Let's say that. Yeah. Um, Paddy, so good to talk to you. And yeah, you um, go check out beingfreelance.com. And of course, there'll be links through to Paddy's site. And even though he's not blogging on a daily basis anymore, go back and check out his uh, his blog from last year because it, they're all quite short for the most part, but some absolute gold in there. Links of, uh, of how you can find Paddy online, of course, at beingfreelance.com. While you're there, sign up for the newsletter. Uh, go on, be a love. And uh, why not check out the new vlog and things like that as well but paddy thank you so much and all the best being freelance yes same to you and thank you so much for having me on it's an honor to be on your show